0: So we're going to be thinking about some of what the Bible says about anxiety uh, for this morning and at least next Sunday as well. So, Thinking about the theme of anxiety, for obvious reasons, this is coronavirus time on planet earth, thinking about the theme of anxiety, I just thought earlier in the week that I would just Google Bible verses on anxiety, and naturally lots of possibilities came up. I clicked on the first one, and the very first verse that they presented to me from the Bible on anxiety was this verse that I'm going to start off with today, this verse that I'm going to share with you. It comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 25, and it reads... Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but, but a good word makes it glad. And I thought, I want to start my sermon with that verse. That's a great verse. Anxiety in your heart, that's where it is. It's in that place that the Bible calls your heart, your inner man, where your feelings, where your emotions, where your passions are. And anxiety is in there, and it weighs it down. It's like a weight. It's just like if we took 1,000 pounds and put it on your shoulders and that was weighing you down, there's a1,000 pounds maybe, of emotional weight weighing down your heart. And what's a, what's a help for that? What's an antidote? Well, there are many of them, but here's one from Proverbs 12, "But a good word. A good word makes it glad. And fortunately, you have friends and you have family and you have loved ones, and they've been speaking good words into your life during this time of global, perhaps, anxiety. But what I want to do today is also to add my word to their word and speak a good word to you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, and to lift you up in case your heart is being weighed down by all of this. And by the way, can Christians experience anxiety? Of course so. Uh, We can experience every emotion that is on the planet. I was very interested to read a tweet from a very famous nationally, internationally known pastor this morning, and he confessed that he wakes up every morning of his life feeling anxiety. And he has to work with it and work with it to get his heart in the right place just to start his day. We understand that for some people it's like that. And then you add to that a global pandemic and my, there must be a weight weighing down on some hearts. Now, uh, it's kind of complex. How do we approach anxiety? How do we help people with anxiety? It's kind of complex because there are degrees of anxiety. So this is not going to be clinical. Obviously, I'm a preacher. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist or a therapist, but uh, I can read a little bit. And there is normal, let's call it normal, garden variety anxiety. That's where you experience a little anxiety every now and then. Every now and then you're feeling a little worried about something. And I'll confess, I'm feeling some of that due to coronavirus, just because of unknowns, what might happen, what's in the future. We don't know. I'm supposed to be solid trusting God because he knows and that's all I need to know but nonetheless I'm weak and I'm feeling some anxiety but it's the normal garden variety kind and it it tends tends to be rather it is always like commensurate with its cause uh if if I told you about it I have this amount of normal anxiety you would say oh that makes sense because look what's going on and that fits it's not way beyond what ought to go with that with that cause so there's normal anxiety And then there's what I'm going to call above average anxiety, and that is people who are like temperamentally disposed to anxiety. And there are people like that. Like they have way more anxiety than somebody in the normal category does. It's just part of their life. It's part of how they're wired. It's part of how they're wound. There's a patron saint of this above average anxiety in the Bible in the New Testament, Jesus had an interaction with her. Can you think of her name? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. This was her character. This is the way she was wound, whether it's nature or nurture, whether it came from the womb or through how she was raised or a combination thereof, doesn't even matter. She was just a woman who tended to be anxious and troubled about many things. So there's above average, and then there's clinical, and you're absolutely overwhelmed. Your life is dominated by anxiety. You are being eaten up by, you are controlled by anxiety. You are one big anxiety person, and it's totally out of proportion to the problems that it relates to. And I I wanna say this lovingly and graciously and kindly, You need more than this sermon. You also, you need more than these words. You need words from a therapist who can really help you. And you might even need to see somebody who can give you some meds because there are there are brain things and not firing in this part, but firing too much in that part. And chemicals are off things that get a person to the clinical level of anxiety. So I don't want you who might be clinical to hear this message and say, oh, I have to make myself better. No, you're going to need a lot more help than that to make things better. So it's complicated. Most of what I'm talking about today and what I think most of what the scriptures that we're looking at have in mind are normal and maybe above average. And when you get to the clinical level, you really do need some professional help. Now. Today, we're going to look at one of the greatest passages in the whole Bible about anxiety. So far as I can think, it's certainly the longest single teaching passage that's covering anxiety, how we're supposed to think about it, how we're supposed to approach it, how do we deal with it. And it is found in the Gospel of Matthew and the sixth chapter, which is part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And here we're going to jump right in. Now, let me warn you, uh, the Lord Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. He's very straightforward. he doesn't soften it, he doesn't pat it, he doesn't dance around it. So it's going to be very blunt. It's going to, he doesn't even like noticeably express empathy, but we know who he is. We know he is uh, an empathetic and a sympathetic and a feeling savior. So we know he's saying these things because he feels our pain and he wants our good, but he goes very bluntly and very quickly straight to the good. So just keep that in mind. Here we go, Matthew 6, 25. It reads, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, could anything be more straightforward than that? Therefore I tell you, Do you need this in Greek or Hebrew, or is English okay? Do not be anxious about your life. And then he gives a couple examples of things in your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So here here there's a command, don't be anxious. And then it it tells us what we shouldn't be anxious about. First, it's just your life. Well, that makes sense, because when we're experiencing anxiety, it's about our life. How's this going to affect me? What's going to happen to me for that? What's going to happen to me if this happens to my friends and so on? So we we have anxiety about our lives and Jesus steps right into our life and says, don't do that. Now it it is a command and it is an imperative, but we ought to see it more as the compassion of Jesus. You don't need to be there. You don't have to be. He doesn't want his people spending their time weighed down by anxiety. So he's speaking a good word to help release you from it. And he just starts off very bluntly, do not be anxious. Like, are you having anxiety? Don't. Are you having anxiety? Stop it. Wish it was that easy, right? But that's what he's saying. Don't be anxious about your life. And then he goes into those particulars. Don't be anxious about whether you'll have food. Don't be anxious about whether you'll have water. Don't be anxious about whether you'll have clothing. So here he's giving you like a blessed relief. For the things you worry about, even like the basic staples of life, I release you from that. You don't need to worry about that. In fact, I command you not to worry about those things. So your life in general, food, water, and clothing in particular, represent a whole lot of things. It's your life. And about it all, Jesus is saying to you, don't have anxiety. Now, I already mentioned this. I want to mention it again. This is going to be harder for some and easier for others, and that's kind of not fair, is it? Some people are going to really struggle to deal with their anxiety because it's more than normal garden variety, and it's just not fair, but it is so. There are a lot of things on this planet that aren't fair, and we don't get equal treatment in a whole lot of things. It's going to be harder for some. It's going to be easy for others. No credit to them. It's just easy for them. But notice he says, um, don't be anxious about the basic necessities, food, water, and clothing, which reminded me of a passage in the Apostle Paul. It's in 1 Timothy 6, and I'll put it up here for down there for you, where Paul talks about those things. He says, Godliness with contentment. Now what is contentment? Contentment is when you can say, ah, it's good, I'm good, it, it's enough, I am satisfied, If I don't get any more, it's okay with me. Ah, Paul says, godliness with contentment, with that, is great gain. You want to really move forward in life? Get some contentment. You want to really gain? Gain contentment. And then he, he gives his reason why he says that. For we brought nothing into the world... And we cannot take anything out of the world, but if we have food and clothing, and Paul leaves out water, Jesus added water. All right, we'll add water. If we have food and water and clothing, with these we should be or we will be content. So you're, to be able to, you're, you're supposed to be able to say, all right, how much do I need in my life where I can say, ah, it is enough? And Paul answers that question for you and he says, if you have food, and I think he includes water as part of the food category. If you have food, stuff to eat, and water to drink, because you'll be dead in three days if you don't have water to drink. And if you have clothing to wear, then you ought to be able to say, ah, that's good. And Jesus says, and you don't need to be anxious about any of those three things. So the only three things I need on the planet, I don't even need to be anxious about. And he's going to give me seven reasons why. And we're going to look at all seven of those. So, it's going to be easier for some and not as easy for others. But contentment with food, water, and clothing, and not worrying about them. By the way, it just happens this week, Uh, maybe it was actually two weeks ago, but it it was on on Twitter more this week. Elon Musk, the the brilliant, famous guy with uh, Tesla and SpaceX, he started tweeting... And at first I thought it was a joke. He was pulling our leg, but come to find out, no, he means it. I'm selling all my houses. I want to reduce everything down and live a minimalistic life. And uh, I don't want to be distracted because I want to get us on Mars. I want that to be my whole focus, my sole focus. I don't want to be bothered by houses. I don't want to be bothered by possessions. My girlfriend's mad at me for this, but I don't care. I'm selling my houses. I'm putting this one up for sale and that one up for sale. And he was for real. I heard him on a podcast where he was describing, yeah, this is because I don't want to have things distracting me from my mission in life. And I thought, wow, don't we need a tribe of Christ followers like that? And doesn't mean you need to sell your house. It's fine for you to have a house. It's probably a good idea to own a house if you can. Um, but uh, hey, we don't need that. We're on a mission, and we don't want to be distracted by a whole lot of things. So Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Now he's gonna give us seven reasons why as I count them in the passage, so here we go. And all of them hit pretty hard. He doesn't pat any of them, but let me remind you, he's a gracious savior. He's a loving savior, and he's an empathetic savior. But he says, here, this is for your good. Here's what you need to know. Reason number one, why we're not to worry about our life. And it's a very good reason. He says, here it is on the screen, reason number one, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So there's reason number one, don't worry. Well, why not? It's a scary planet. Well, life is more than the things you're worrying about. Life is more than food. Life is more than clothing. Uh, Some of you are into food bless you. I'm glad you're into food. I get to enjoy the benefits of you being into food sometimes. There's a bug right there. That's why I'm swatting the air. Um, uh, Sometimes I get to enjoy your food. But the whole point of taking up space on the planet is not food. Food is not why God created us. Here, I'm creating you and your whole life is about food. No, food is just a little thing in our life. Some of you are into clothing. That's cool. We get to enjoy seeing what combinations you show up with today, what things you put together that don't seem to match, but you make them match because you're good at clothing. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But but life is not about clothing. It's not like I'm good at clothes, so I got life down. No, it's a very small thing as far as life is really concerned. If you combine food and clothing, it can become a nice combination. You ask your wife, can you put on something really sweet? And I'll take you out somewhere to eat, which you can't do right now anyway. But we'll we'll go, we've done this. We've gone to like um, Chick-fil-A. And then we sit in the truck in the parking lot across the street at Target and have our date and eat our Chick-fil-A in my truck. Now that's a date. That's a coronavirus date. Uh, but say, say you get your wife dressed up and you go out somewhere and you eat very nice. There you have food and there you have clothing. But Jesus walks into the restaurant and he says, oh, I see you have food, that's nice. I see you're dressed up really cool, that's nice. But I want you to know something, this is not what life is about. You say, well, what is life about? We're gonna get to that a little bit later. He's gonna tell us, I'll give you a peek ahead. A little bit later in the text, Jesus is gonna say, here's what life is about. You seek first God's kingdom, and you seek first his righteousness, and then all the food and all the clothes and all the water and everything else you need for your life will be added to you. So you don't need to worry about him because God's saying, you seek me first, I'll take care of you on that. I'll add it to you. You put me first in your life. I'm at the center of your heart. You're seeking me. You're seeking my kingdom. You're seeking to spread my righteousness by preaching the gospel and leading other people to Jesus Christ. I'm going to take care of you. So... Uh, life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing it 's about knowing god that 's why you 're on the planet it 's about walking with god it 's about your spiritual life it 's about your soul and your heart it 's about your loves and your passions it 's about people you care for and love and serve and give to that 's what life is all about. So if you want to worry, worry about those things because they are life indeed so reason number one don 't worry because life is more than those things you're worrying about. Reason number two, Matthew six twenty six. look at the birds of the air. Now that's easy for me to do. We have bird feeder behind the house. We see birds, 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 birds. Had some really gorgeous, grosbeaks out there this week. Man, they're almost exotic. They're so beautiful. And uh, we have two birds living in our house, flying around, zooming, buzzing us all the time, squawking and carrying on, driving us insane. They're getting louder. Do parakeets get louder as they get older? They're getting louder. Anyway, look at the birds of the air. That's easy for me to imagine. They neither sow nor reap. Have you ever seen a bird behind a plow, pushing a plow? Have you ever seen a bird working in the field? I gotta plant this grain so I'll have food this winter. No, they they don't they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet, here it is, your heavenly father feeds them. Now that's got teeth. There's a big point. And then here, he ends the verse this way. Are you not of more value than they? So you you get the point here, don't you? Let me walk out here for the people in the camera to let them know I'm doing All right, cool. Uh, God takes care of birds. And you're of more value than birds. You're a creature created in the image and likeness of God. You bear his image upon the planet. Birds don't. Uh, You are worth so much more than any of the other animals on the planet, certainly than a little sparrow that flies by one day. But God feeds the sparrows. He takes care of birds. And the idea is, you're supposed to reason from that, then he'll take care of me. This is why I don't have to worry. I have a God who will take care of me. I have a heavenly father who takes care of birds and he will take care of me and I don't have to worry about things like food and clothing and what are we going to eat and what are we going to wear and what are we going to drink. I don't have to worry about those things. You have a heavenly father who cares for you. Some of you who are earthly fathers, you get this. You have kids. Are you not on a mission to take care of your kids? Are you, are you not like determined if I have breath in my body, if I have blood flowing through my veins, I will provide for my children that's That's what you do you're a parent you'll you'll die for them you pour yourself and you're supposed to reason from that well he's a heavenly father he's a better parent than I am why would I worry what would you think if your little three-year daughter came into you and she's crying and she says daddy I'm, I'm anxious I have anxiety she wouldn't know that word when she's three but I have anxiety and you say oh honey what are you worrying about she says I'm worried about what are we going to eat and what are we going to drink and what am I going to wear what would you do as a father you'd say honey You don't need to worry about that, I'm your Father. I will provide those things for you. I will take care of you in those things. How much more will our Heavenly Father give us the things that we need? I'm sure there are many stories that we could circulate among each other, and uh, maybe some of you should do that after the sermon uh, of how God amazingly provided, but I'm gonna tell you just one of many that Debbie and I could tell. There were many, there were many, 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 back in our earlier days especially because we were broke all the time. So when we were 24 or maybe 25, we'd been married four or five years, I had two years of seminary done. College was done, had two years of seminary done. I needed one more year to finish seminary, but we ran out of money. We ran out of cash. So I took a couple years off and worked. I was a woodworker at a woodworking shop in Westminster, Maryland and they didn't pay me much at all. and We just scraped by, just barely struggled by. At that same time, I became a co-church planter with a fellow named Gary over in Frederick and we planted a church over there. It's still there, he's still the pastor there, uh, but I became a church planter. That didn't pay me anything. It just gave me an opportunity to preach and you know stay involved in church work and so on. So there was a week where, I don't, I don't remember why, we were out of money and we were out of food. Out of money happened a lot. Uh, we were out of food. And uh, I don't think we told anybody, but I got a phone call, and a guy in the church who has a bread truck. Now, he doesn't deliver bread. He uses it for his construction business, but he has a bread truck. He says, uh, somebody gave me a whole load. Like, I filled my truck with English muffins. Could you use any? And I said, Yeah, as a matter of fact, we could use some English muffins. He drove his truck over, and we unloaded, I don't know how many, a lot of English muffins. And for the next week, week and a half, it was like manna. It was like manna, like the question wasn't what are we having, it's how are we going to have them? And we figured out from what was in our pantry, every possible way on the planet you could have English muffins to make them not the same. And they kept us alive. And that's like a little blessing from God where he's saying, see what I tell you in the scriptures, I will do you don't need to worry about food. You don't need to worry about clothing. I take care of sparrows. I'm certainly going to take care of you. Okay, you said, well, I'm not worried about food, and I'm not worried about clothing. I'm worried about dying. There's a virus on the planet. Can I at least worry about dying? Isn't that at least legit? I mean, it is pretty scary. Uh, Can I be anxious about that whole thing? Here's what Jesus says next. Reason number three, not to worry. Matthew six twenty-seven. And which of you by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It's a rhetorical question. You can imagine somebody answering, oh, I can, I can. No, 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 not you. Nobody can. Which of you? None. So the thing you're worrying about, I might die, you're actually speeding up when you have anxiety. Anxiety is bad for all kinds of things inside of you. It is bad for health, and you're only bringing your death closer to a reality in your life. Um, Jesus says, you're not going to add a sec In other words, worrying about your life, having anxiety about your life, is totally not productive. It won't help you in any way. In fact, modern medicine, we know it will harm you. Now, it's legitimate to be concerned and take precautionary measures, right? So, okay, I'm going to do the social distancing. I'm going to wear the mask. I'm going to wash my hands a lot, et cetera, et cetera. That's all fine. It's fine to have airbags in your car. Should I not have airbags because I won't die till God wants me to? Well, God uses means, and one good means is airbags. You keep yourself alive. So it's fine to take precautionary measures. It's legit. But we're not supposed to go beyond that and have anxiety about death. In the book of Hebrews, we are told that Jesus came to release those who all their lives were in bondage to the fear of death. He doesn't want you anxious, and he doesn't want you anxious about death. And the apostle Paul writes in Romans that the sting of death is gone. And a great hymn writer says, I quoted this a few weeks ago, here it is again, death is but an entrance into glory. Why would you be anxious about that? Are you worried when you're about to go on vacation? Are you full of anxiety when you're about to go to Disneyland? Why would you be full of anxiety? Someone's shaking their head yes out there. Why would you be full of anxiety um, about going to heaven? What could be better? So reason number three, it won't help you. Reason number four, let's hasten on. And why, he says, are you anxious about clothing? So we're circling back to the clothing theme. Here's, here's why you shouldn't be anxious about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field. All right, so form a mental picture. There's a field of these beautiful yellow golden day lilies. They're kind of gently swaying in the breeze. Uh, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory. Now Solomon was one of the wealthiest men on the planet in his day. He was Mr. GQ. He had a wardrobe. He had a wardrobe. Let's dress up a thousand Solomons and lay them in a field, and next to that have a field of lilies. Which field is more attractive? Lilies. Absolutely. Hands down. Easy. How did lilies get to be so attractive? How did they get to be so clothed? Even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But... If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, i.e., it's not a creature created in the image of God like you are, it's just grass with a flower. If he does that, makes flowers and clothes them with beauty, will he not much more clothe you? And then here are the most hard words in the whole thing. Notice what he says to us. "O you of little faith. Jesus is saying this out of compassion. He's hitting you kind of hard because he doesn't want you to have to struggle with anxiety. He's helping you with some ways to get out of there. And he's pointing out to you that there's something that lies at the root of our anxiety. It is lack of trust in the sovereignty and the goodness and the wisdom and the providence of God. The little girl who's worried about food, she's not trusting her daddy's going to take care of her. The little Christian who's worrying about not trusting my heavenly father that he's going to take care of me. It's a faith issue. I'm supposed to believe in God's goodness and providential care and his power and his wisdom so I can go, ah, worry. I don't need to worry about those things. That's his department. He takes care of those things. It's a faith issue. Oh, you of little faith. You want to get better at dealing with anxiety? You need more faith. Good news is if you have faith just as a mustard seed, great things can happen. But how does the Bible tell us how to increase our faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. More of the Word of God gives you more faith in your heart and in your soul so you can trust your heavenly Father and be freed from anxiety. Oh, you of little faith. Several times Jesus uttered those that same phrase, those very words, Oh, you of little faith. So that I heard one pastor said the disciples, he uttered it to them sometimes, they were the little faith society. Anytime you're all caught up in worry and anxiety, you're a member in good standing of the little faith society. Grow your faith. Reason number four that we just saw then is um, you're to trust God. Reason number five. Therefore, Matthew 6:31, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Here's the reason why not: 6:32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Reason number five: Why should I not have anxiety about my life or those things? Because when I do, I'm acting like a Gentile. Now, what is it about a Gentile that I'm not supposed to be like? Gentiles, the Gentiles of that day, the Gentiles in our day are, are, are not Christians. They're other. If you're, there's, there's Gentiles, and then when you become a believer, you're a different creature in Christ. Gentiles do not have a heavenly father this heavenly father we've been talking about who providentially cares for birds and lilies and believers who promises their welfare. If you seek first my kingdom, I will add those things to you, so don't don't be worried about those things. That heavenly father is our heavenly father. The Gentiles don't have one of those. So, no wonder they were fearful. They don't have a providential heavenly God, a heavenly father in heaven. What he's saying is you're acting like a Gentile, You're going back to your old ways. You're acting like somebody who doesn't have a heavenly father to care. You're acting like the girl. She's acting like she doesn't have a daddy. She's worrying about food. This is what you're doing. You're identifying as a Gentile. And furthermore, the verse says, and your heavenly father knows that you need those. Don't you think he knows? Don't you know that he cares? Don't act like a fatherless child without a heavenly father. Trust Him. That's reason number five. I'm going to hasten on to reason number six, which is also a short one, but a very important one. Reason number six, why should I not have anxiety? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all, all these things will be added to you. Now, I think that sounds like a pretty good plan. Don't you? I like the math. I seek him, and he adds. He does the adding. There's the math. He adds all the things that I need to me. So that's his swim lane. That's his worry. That's his concern. I don't have to worry about it. My concern is I want to seek God with all my heart and soul. I want to point my heart right at him, his kingdom, his righteousness. I want to live as one of his subjects. He's my king. I'm a subject in the kingdom. I want to share his righteousness via the gospel so others come to know and love and follow my king. I'm going to seek that first, and then I'm going to trust him. It's a trust issue. I'm going to trust his promise. You do that, and I will see to it you're going to have food, you're going to have water, you're going to have clothes. That's a pretty good deal. And remember, when you have food and water and clothes, Paul taught us, with that you shall be content. Ah, that's enough. That's enough. So that's reason number six. These things will be added to you if you just seek first. So let me tell you a seek first story of mine. So when I was a much younger man and I was a student at Washington Bible College and before I even met Debbie. So I was 18 years old. I arrived at the college on the day I turned 18 in fact, and I was a brand new Christian with no Christian or church background pretty much whatsoever, just a couple of months. And um, I started reading scripture and, and I discovered that promise. If I would seek him first, he'll add the things that I need to me. So what does a student need? Well, several things, but the one I'm thinking of is grades. A student needs grades. A student needs to get papers done and get an A on the paper. That's what a student needs. So I thought, all right, I've got a plan. I'm gonna test this and see if this works. When, when, When I need to be studying, I'm going to take a long time first to seek him in scripture reading and memorizing scripture, nothing to do with any of my classes, just on my own. I'm going to be in scripture and pray a lot and draw near to God and, and seek his power to work in my heart and so on. And then when I'm, let's say I've done that for an hour and all the students I'm up against, maybe they didn't do that for an hour. They're an hour ahead of me on this exam. They're an hour ahead of me on this term paper, but I don't care because I got God's promise. If If I put him first, he'll add what I need. Well, I didn't graduate at the top of my class, but neither did I flunk out. So it did all right, okay? Students need grades. I got grades. They were okay. Here we are. These things will be added to you. Reason number seven, and we're coming down home stretch. Therefore, final reason, therefore, he repeats the opening line again. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. We're worried about tomorrow or later today. It's always future-oriented. All anxiety is future-oriented. So Jesus says, so don't, don't be worried and don't be anxious about tomorrow. Now, this is a strange reason that he gives. Hang in there with me. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. And to clarify that, he says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I think, I've read a lot of people this week on this, everybody seems to agree, and this is what I thought too. What Jesus is saying is, look, you got enough to worry about today, don't be worrying about tomorrow, because once you get tomorrow, then you'll be worrying about that day again. You don't need to worry about tomorrow twice. Just take care of what's on your plate today and live every day, one day at a time. How do I live without anxiety? The same way that you eat an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do I live without anxiety? One day at a time. Lord, I'm focusing on your presence in my life, your provision for me and my needs one day at a time, and life is going to get better. Focus on today. How am I walking with God today? How am I seeking him first today? How is he first in my heart and my passions and my loves and my soul today? How am I seeking to lead others to his righteousness? Focus on the kingdom of God in your soul today. So, This is Jesus on anxiety. Now I have two things to say in closing, and we'll pray. Here's the first one. So trust your heavenly Father. And there you see the second one already. It's a little silly. Don't worry. Be happy. You know that song? Yeah, that song. First, trust your heavenly Father. That's a bottom line to Jesus' whole sermon. The problem is one of trust you're to trust Him. He's got that. That's His concern. That's His swim lane. You have His promises. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You need to grow in trusting your heavenly Father, and to do that, you need to know more about Him. So, read J.I. Packer's Knowing God wouldn't be a bad idea. Or just, pardon me, read a lot of Scripture and pray a lot and draw near to Him. Trust your heavenly father. What's going to happen with coronavirus? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. What's going to happen with our economy? Nobody knows. But do you trust your heavenly father that whatever happens, you're going to have food. You're going to have water. You're going to have clothing. And at that point you can say, ah, it is enough. I'm good. Trust your heavenly father and don't worry, but be happy. Easy to do for some people, harder to do for other people. We get it. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. But this is God's word. Let's seek to apply it in our souls. Amen? Amen? Some people in the room, amen. Thank you all. Love you guys. You're here every week. (laughs) Giving me some faces. Thank you. Pray with me, please. Our Father in heaven, we're looking up to you, praying that you would enable us, weak though we are. That you would enable us to, to stand strong in faith, to trust you with what you say about our lives, and would you free us of anxiety? Lord, there are some people listening to this message and they're really struggling with anxiety. Would you draw near to them? Would you help them? Would you relieve their hearts and their burdened souls carrying around a heavy weight in their hearts. Would you be their God and Father? Would you help them to feel that you are a heavenly Father? And Father, perhaps some who are listening have never even come to you that you would be their heavenly Father. And we pray for them. We pray that you would draw them to yourself and that right now people who are listening to this message would turn to you, Lord Jesus, and say, Lord Jesus, I'm now believing on you I'm becoming a Christian. I want to be one of your people, one of your followers. I want your promises to work in my life. I'm turning to you. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior, my Lord. Father, we pray that you would draw people to yourself through faith. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, let me remind you there's a connect